plenty to get into with our first guest, who is patiently waiting down the line this afternoon. The man I do speak of is football expert and producer for Stan Sport, Nick Stoll. Nick, good evening. Pleasure to be here, Matt. How are you? I'm doing very well, Nick. How about you? Yeah, very good. Very good on this Friday afternoon. Now, what are your thoughts on uh, the, the news from earlier on today? Uh, football Australia have announced that uh, that their expressions of interest for a national second tier are, are now open and we could be seeing this as early as March next year. What does this mean for football here in Australia? I mean, it's, a, it's an exciting time. It's a chance to have more professional clubs. Uh, currently, we only have, obviously, the A-League uh, clubs that are professional at the moment. It's a chance to have more of that. It's a chance for, in the future, not kind of maybe in the next year or two, but maybe further down the line, to have promotion and relegation, which is something that is very exciting uh, and happens all over the world and pretty much every other country uh, except here in America. But it also, you know, would reward kind of... Uh, meritocracy a lot more and you know it would give more opportunities for players and coaches to rise up the ranks as we you know often see uh, players rise you know in england from the championship into the premier league um and have really great careers as do coaches so it's, it's an exciting uh first step but you know as always with anything kind of uh, there's always a great plan but it'll be in the execution where we'll actually see uh what actually happens do we have enough talent here to hold a second-tier competition? Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think the the biggest hurdle uh, to a second-tier thing will be basically Football, Federation, Football Australia has set out um, the requirements that these teams will need to meet. And these teams are kind of, you know, you would think are currently kind of playing in the NPL and probably historically have, um, you know, ties to the former National Soccer League. So you Sydney Olympics and your Marconis and your South Melbournes and your Melbourne Knights and Adelaide Cities and you know, obviously Perth Glory was in the NSL now in the A-League but potentially uh, you know a second team out there in Perth um, but basically what they're asking for is um, the playing contracts for all players uh, with salaries paid 52 weeks of the year um, operations run by employed staff throughout 12 months of the year uh, investment in a kind of full development pathway within the club structure and access to a suitable high quality match day facility 12 months of the year so those are four pretty big hurdles for a lot of these clubs to get over um you know those clubs i was just speaking of the kind of the city olympics the marconis the melbourne knights they're not necessarily in a position to do that right now so whether they will be in in 12 months or so you know kind of remains to be seen so i think that's the biggest concern is that even though there might be so many clubs that want to participate in a second division, they might just not be financially ready and viable if that is the hurdle that they uh, need to clear. And I think that's where, you know, you might see less expressions of interest than you would have expected. It's not going to be every club in Australia is keen to get involved in this. All right, we're speaking to Nick Stoll here on Sports Drive this afternoon. Nick, uh, a fair bit of... Um, news coming out of Football Australia from this week. Earlier on, we saw Graham Arnold, uh, his reappointment as the head coach of the Socceroos. That will see him through to the next World Cup. Uh, the deal is through until the end of 2026. What What are your thoughts on the reappointment? Yeah, I mean, look, it was a big vote of confidence uh, for Arnie. I mean, they've, they've given him not only kind of the four-year contract, but $6 million. Um, so... 
you know, they obviously uh, see a, a big future. Obviously, he did amazing at the World Cup, and we had our you know best ever World Cup, and you know that obviously needs to be kind of rewarded. Uh, but at the same time, there were issues before the World Cup that potentially haven't been resolved. And you know, people might remember the when we were struggling to qualify and we just scraped in against Peru. But a couple of games earlier against Japan, where we lost at home, there was a lot of talk of. Uh, you know, Arnie being sacked and moving on from Arnie and stuff. So, so it's an incredible turnaround for him. Um, by all reports, he's got, you know, the backing of the, the current players in the squad, which is always a, kind of a very important thing. And, you know, I'm not sure kind of what alternatives are out there. There's not really any strong kind of coach coming through the A-League right now that you would say is ready to take over. As, you know, in previous years, Ange Postacoglu was ready to take over after doing very well at Brisbane Raw and, and somewhat well at Melbourne Victory when Holger Ossik uh, was fired. So it kind of a, the circumstances around it um, maybe make for good time for Arnie, but I personally would have just given him a shorter contract, uh, maybe when he had to pay more per year uh, to the Asian Cup and see how that goes, because he's coached at two Asian Cups and we performed underwhelmingly at both. Um, so if he was to do that at a third Asian Cup, uh, you know, I think there'd be big questions there. But... You know, Football Australia have given him the four years and want him to do not only as the Asian Cup, but the full uh, next qualifying campaign. Yep. Uh, yeah, there, there are a little little fears that uh, perhaps Football Australia have backed themselves into a slight corner by signing him on through until the next World Cup. But I guess nowadays contracts, you know, they can be, they can be altered, they can be changed and... Uh, We'll see how he goes. You can always pay someone out. Yeah, that's it. You can always pay him to leave. So so. when they have the money, that's another thing. We'll see how it it goes. Um, What what can he do with the group between now and the next World Cup? Nick, uh, what are your thoughts on the talent that he's got and uh, the young players coming through? So I think he got more or less the most out of the group at the World Cup. Um, which was, you know, a very, a very good sight to see. Um, he's got some good, young, exciting players coming through in the, in the next couple of years. There's, uh, you know, players like Garang Qual, who recently signed for Newcastle and has been loaned out uh, to Scotland. Um, you know, he will develop, he will become of age. Uh, you know, potential players like Daniel Arzani might be further down the road in their development. Um, players like, you know, Christian of Alpardo, who's currently at AS Roma in Serie A in Italy, um, he could potentially be introduced in the squad. There's Alex Robertson, uh, who's at uh, Manchester City currently and is eligible to play for Australia. So whether all these players, you know, develop and, and kick on, and but these will be the players that will probably, you know, start to enter the Socceroos. And you might start to see players like Mitch Duke, who had a really good World Cup, but he's in his 30s. Um, players like Matthew Leckie might start to be uh, phased out as well. Um, so there, there will be some senior players that we'll see less of. Um, but it will probably, you know, the, the new uh, generation will hopefully be an even improvement on some of those players. Now, we also saw uh, Harry Suter earlier in the week. Uh, he was a standout at this year's, or last year's now, World Cup. Uh, he signed a five-and-a-half-year deal to Leicester City for reportedly around $26 million Australian dollars. What were your thoughts on this big signing uh, by Leicester City? Yeah, great move for Harry. Uh, you know, it's always amazing. it's always really good to have an Australian in the Premier League, the most watched league uh, in the world. 
Um, Harry obviously was born and raised in Scotland, but does play for the national team um, through his heritage. Uh, and as you said, did really well at the World Cup. Now, I think Sutar as a player is amazing at, you know, when your defence is sitting deep and the, the ball's being crossed in by the opposition, amazing at clearing it, getting in the way. Um, you know, that's what his strengths are. Now, in the Premier League, if Leicester City decides that they want to play kind of higher up the pitch and that they want to push their defenders forward and leave a lot of space behind, that's where he potentially is going to find it very difficult because he's been playing kind of in the championship. But, you know, the players in, in the Premier League, you'll like see Mohamed Salah's and, and these type of players are absolutely rapid and can cause you all tough trouble. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he goes at that level. It's a big step up for him. But, you know, like you say, he was excellent at the World Cup. He's a huge physical presence. He can be dangerous on set pieces going forward, corners and free kicks. So I think it's a great move for him. It's a great move for the Socceroos. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing him in action. No doubt about that. Uh, what did you make of the, the deadline day, uh, the big moves? Uh, anything really stand out to you in, in terms of will there be any big movers and shakers uh, now in the EPL? Well, I mean, the most interesting one is, is Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea have signed Enzo Fernandez, who some people might remember at the World Cup. He was the starting centre midfielder for Argentina. But just to put in perspective how much money they've spent on him, six months ago he was sold to a Portuguese club called Benfica for about $13 million. And six months later, that club, Benfica, is selling him on to Chelsea for $130 million. So it, it's just astronomical numbers. Um, and... They always say don't sign a player after a really good World Cup or tournament just because, you know, the World Cup's short. It's maximum seven games. Um, people get way too excited. Uh, many players have been signed in the past off the World Cup and then failed to kind of perform, you know, consistently over a, over a long season. Um, and so that's a bit of why. I think he's a very special talent, and I think he's going to have a great career. But Chelsea have spent, I think, nearly 300 million pounds in January alone, which is unheard of. Usually, most teams make one or two little signings just to shore up injuries or whatever. Chelsea have just kind of thrown out half the team and brought in new players. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they bounce back. They're probably way too far off to compete in the Premier League this season, but they will want to make the Champions League, and they're in the Champions League, and it could be there where they have some success. All right, some big moves made on deadline day. We're speaking to Nick Stoll here on Sports Drive this afternoon. Uh, Nick, let's get into some of the games that we'll be seeing across the weekend in the world of football. We'll start with the EPL since we're on it. Um, yeah, what, what are the big games that are, are standing out to you uh, over this weekend? Uh, it kicks off with Chelsea and Fulham tomorrow in the early hours of the morning. Well, you know, I tell you what, I'm pretty interested in that Chelsea Fulham. It's a, a local derby. Uh, they're both there in kind of southwest London. Um, so, and Fulham's been pretty good this season. So, it will be interesting to see how many of the new Chelsea players start. Um, but the kind of the big, you know, marquee fixture, the, the box office match is Tottenham v Man City. You know, two kind of clubs of the big six. Um, Tottenham at home. Uh, you know, over the years, have sometimes gotten the better of Man City, even though. Man City, you know, are the stronger team. Man City in a bit of a state of flux at the moment. They've uh, they're really trying to chase down Arsenal. Um, they've had some issues in terms. They just got rid of their best defender in Jao Cancelo because he fell out with the coach. So it's going to be really interesting to see. While at the same time, Tottenham uh, have underperformed this year, and you know, there's been there's a lot of pressure on Antonio Conte. So it's a little bit of a must win uh, for both teams. And then on top of that. 
Uh, another game that's very interesting is Everton v Arsenal. Arsenal because they're absolutely storming, you know, away with the title this season. Um, but any slip up, you just feel like any time they slip up, City are going to pounce. And at the same time, Everton, a massive, massive club, look like they're headed for relegation. So you know, they're one of the kind of the great teams of English football, one of the most popular teams in England. For them to get relegated, would be a huge story. So. That Arsenal-Everton game is going to be big for both teams, but for very different reasons. Mm, certainly will be. Now, uh, what about in the A-League? Uh, we've got uh, some interesting games to look forward to. Of course, our very own Perth Glory back here in WA for the next three matchups. And, well, this could really determine how their season plays out, whether the Glory do make uh, finals from here or not. These next three games are huge. Absolutely. And starting with the game against the Newcastle Jets this weekend, the Jets are an interesting one. They're very hot and cold. Some weeks they play, like I think they beat Brisbane last week 4-0, yep. and you thought, this team is incredible, this team you know, this team could, could go all the way. And then you watch them other weeks, and you're like, you know, never mind a national second division, you guys couldn't even be in that. It, it's, <laughs> it is ridiculous how inconsistent they are. Um, so it's a good opportunity for Perth Glory. Uh, just don't necessarily travel well. Um, so I think they, you know, I think Perth might, might get the result there, and that'd be a very important three points. Um, another one I'm really looking forward to is Sydney FC Mariners. Uh, Sydney FC have struggled massively at home in their new stadium, but they've pulled a couple of results together recently that makes you think, you know, maybe uh, they can get some results. The Mariners are looking really, really good as well. So that's a really uh, kind of interesting one. And then finally, uh, Melbourne Victory v Wellington mainly because Melbourne Victory have been so poor this season. And, you know, the bottom of the table. But yeah, I think most people at the start of the season were tipping them to be at least top two, uh, if not top one. Um, so there's big pressure on Victory to, to really rescue the season and, and get it going. But, you know, Wellington, if they can't beat Wellington at home, people will start calling for Tony Popovich's head. Yeah, well, uh, there's uh, a few, few coaches in a little bit of trouble, but... Uh... Certainly, Melbourne Victory, uh, they are needing to get a big win tonight. They've struggled this season with injuries. We know what happened earlier on in the year uh, with the uh, pitch invasion. So just nothing seems to have gone right for Melbourne Victory in season 22-23. Uh, they'll be looking to get a win against the Phoenix tonight. 4.45 kickoff. We'll keep you up to date with the match as it does progress. Uh, Nick, a big thanks to you for joining me here on the program today. Thank you very much for taking the time and uh, enjoy your weekend. No worries, Matt. My pleasure. There he goes. Nick Stoll, football expert and producer for Stan Sport. Always great chatting to him on the program.